Hello, welcome to the self-learning podcast by Dr. Shishma Singh. Let us start discussion on chapter 5, Patterns of Social Inequality and Exclusion. And our topic is State and Non-State Initiatives Addressing Caste and Tribe Discrimination. The Indian state has had special programs for the dual tribes and dual caste since even before independence. The schedules listing the caste and tribes recognized as deserving of special treatment because of the massive discrimination practiced against them were drawn up in 1935 by the British Indian government. After independence, the same policies have been continued and many new ones added. Among the most significant additions is the extension of special programs to the other backward classes since the early 1990s. The most important state initiative attempting to compensate for past and present caste discrimination is the one popularly known as reservations. This involves the setting aside of some places or seats for members of the dual caste and dual tribe in different spheres of public life. These include reservation of seats in the state and central legislature, that is state assemblies, Lok Sabha and Rajya Sabha. Reservation of jobs in government service across all departments and public sector companies and reservation of seats in educational institutions. The proportion of reserved seat is equal to the percentage share of dual caste and dual tribe in the total population. But for the OBC, this proportion is decided differently. The same principle is extended to other developmental programs of the government, some of which are exclusively for the dual caste or tribes, while others give them preference. In addition to reservations, there have been a number of laws passed to and prohibit and punish caste discrimination, especially untouchability. One of the earliest such laws was the Caste Disabilities Removal Act of 1850, which disallowed the curtailment of rights of citizens due solely to change of religion or caste. The most recent such law was the Constitutional Amendment 93rd Act of 2005 which became law on 23rd January 2006. Coincidentally, both the 1850 law and the 2006 amendment related to education. The 93rd amendment is for introducing reservation for the other backward classes in institutions of higher education while the 1850 Act was used to allow entry of Dalits 
to government schools. In between, there have been numerous laws of which the important ones are, of course, the Constitution of India itself, passed in 1950, and the Stuhl Caste and Stuhl Tribes Act of 1989. The Constitution abolished untouchability and introduced the reservation provisions mentioned above. The 1989 Prevention of Atrocities Act revised and strengthened the legal provisions punishing acts of violence or humiliation against Dalits and Adivasis. The fact that legislation was passed repeatedly on this subject is proof of the fact that the law alone cannot end a social practice. In fact, as you have seen from newspapers and the media, cases of discrimination including atrocities against Dalits and Adivasis continue to take place all over India today. State action alone cannot ensure social change in any case, so social group Howsoever weak or oppressed is only a victim, human beings are always capable of organizing and acting on their own, often against very heavy odds, to struggle for justice and dignity. Dalits too have been increasingly active on the political, agitational and cultural fronts. From the pre-independence struggles and movements launched by the people like Jyotiba Phule, Jyotidas Periyar, Ambedkar and others, to contemporary political organizations like the Pahujan Samaj Party in Uttar Pradesh or the Dalit Sangharsh Samiti of Karnataka, Dalit political assertion has come a long way. Dalits have also made significant contributions to literature in several Indian languages, especially Marathi, Kannad, Tamil, Telugu, and Hindi. Now, let us move to the next point, the other backward classes. Untouchability was the most visible and comprehensive form of social discrimination. However, there were a large group of castes that were of low status and were also subjected to variety levels of discrimination short of untouchability. These were the service and artisanal caste who occupied the low rugs of the caste hierarchy. The constitution of India recognizes the possibility that there may be groups other than the stool tribes and stool caste who suffer from social disadvantages. These groups, which need not be based on caste alone, but generally are identified by caste, were described as the socially and educationally backward classes. 
This is the constitutional basis of the popular term other backward classes OBCs which is in common use today. Like the category of tribe, the OBCs are defined negatively by what they are not. They are neither part of the forward caste at the upper end of the status spectrum nor of the Dalit at the lower end. But since caste has entered all the major Indian religions and is not confined to Hinduism alone, there are also members of other religions who belong to the backward caste and share the same traditional occupational identification and similar or worse socio-economic status. For these reasons, the OBCs are a much more diverse group than the Dalits or Adivasis. The first government of independent India under Jawaharlal Nehru appointed a commission to look into measures for the welfare of the OBCs. The first backward classes commission headed by Kaka Kelkar submitted its report in 1953, but the political climate at the time led to the report being sidelined. From the mid-50s, the OBC issue became a regional affair pursued at the state rather than the central level. The southern state had a long history of backward caste political agitation that had started in the early 20th century. Because of these powerful social movements, policies to address the problems of OBCs were in place long before they were discussed in most northern states. The OBC issue returned to the central level in the late 1970s after the emergency when the Janta Party came to power. The second backward class commission headed by the BP Mandal was appointed at this time. However, it was only in 1990s when the central government decided to implement the 10-year-old Mandal Commission report that the OBC issue became a major one in national politics. Since the 1990s, we have seen the resurgence of lower caste movements in North India among both the OBCs and Dalits. The politicization of OBCs allows them to convert their large numbers. Recent surveys show that they are about 41% of the national population into political influence. This was not possible at the national level before as shown by the sidelining of the Kelkar Commission report and the neglect of the Mandal Commission report. The large disparities between the upper OBCs who are largely landed caste 
and enjoy dominance in rural society in many regions of India. And the lower obeses who are very poor and disadvantaged and are often not very different from Dalits in socio-economic terms. Make this a difficult political category to work with. However, the OBCs are severely underrepresented in all spheres except land holding and political representation. They have a large number of MLA and MPs. Although the upper OBCs are dominant in rural sector, the situation of urban OBCs is much worse. Being much closer to that of the stool caste and tribes than to the upper caste. Now let us wind up the session and thank you very much for engaging yourself with the self-learning podcast.